Hello and welcome to Stock Talk, a podcast series which brings together livestock specialists, vets and farmers to give you the tools you need to improve your business and embrace the future. Stock Talk is presented by myself, Robert Ramsey, and produced by Kirsten Blackwood as part of the Farm Advisory Service in association with the Scottish Government. So today we're joined by Jack Monroe from the Buffalo Farm. Uh, really good to have you with us on this Stock Talk podcast, Jack. Hope you're well. Very well, thanks, Robert. Thanks for inviting me on. So, Jack, can you just briefly tell us a bit about yourself? How did you get to be, or what position are you in at the Buffalo Farm, and how did you get there? Uh, so, currently, I'm Steve's assistant farm manager here at the Buffalo Farm. Um, my journey, um, wee bit unconventional. Um, so, my parents don't farm, um, but my granddad and and, and granny down in Wales, they they had a sheep farm, and um, it was holidays down there that first got me kind of into into farming. Um, and then uh, at home where where I was brought up in, in Fife uh, and uh, ex just outside the next coal mining village in Cross Hill, and we lived next to a farm, and I started working there when I was fourteen years old, and that uh, just kind of between there and Wales, just kind of fell in love with the, the practical side of farming. So that was a mixed dairy there um, with, with arable and beef and sheep. And uh, I devoted every kind of hour of my uh, I'd spare time um, right right, right from school through to uni there. And then um, went went to uni to do uh, rural business management. Uh, did that for four years and uh, got an internship with uh, SEC Consulting up in Elgin. So I was there for a few months and uh, then that uh, uh, got me uh, yeah, into starting a consultancy job in Stirling after I graduated. So, um, so yeah, I've always been very, yeah, very, very interested in food production and, and maximising efficiency. And uh, um, so, yeah, I was, I was in Stirling for three and a bit years and then I moved to the Buffalo Farm uh, a year, a year ago, uh, um, this month actually, to, to the Buffalo Farm to join Stevie to be a bit more hands-on uh, on the kind of practical side of, of farming. So, um, so yeah, that's that's my story of, of, of how, how I got here. Um, it's a... Uh, and I'm sure others will agree that our our loss has certainly been Stevie Mitchell's gain. You know, it's a, it was great to work with you, Jack, for a good number of years and... Um, Certainly, the, the buffalo farm sounds like a, a really interesting step. Now, for those of us, some many people, many listeners here will have seen or had some experience of the buffalo farm watching this farming life a few years ago. Um, can you, for those of us that haven't, can you explain roughly what that business looks like? So, what the, the buffalo farm is obviously quite a, it, it gives away a bit of, you know, the brand's quite strong, but what, what actually happens at the buffalo farm? So I think what happens at the Buffalo Farm today is very different to kind of how Steve started it out in a kind of yet 15, 20 years ago. It's uh, it was um, once Steve finished uh, uni, he he was wanting to kind of have a, a unique selling point for his um, his produce, and Steve was kind of mad into his cattle, and but wanted to kind of be more direct selling to the customer, and uh, saw that there was lots of People doing really good native beef, but how could he be? He be, he be different, and that's how he kind of um, through I think a project, a research project he did was looking into the buffalo, and and then he he started to bring them over. But originally it was just for for beef and meat, and uh, 
So uh, they, he built up a, a beef buffalo herd. Um, and then when he was direct selling at the farmer's markets, uh, he tells a story often that um, if he had a pound for every person that said, uh, do you do mozzarella, that um, he would be a, a very rich man. So um, that it was really driven by his customers that started his uh, mozzarella journey. So yeah, using buffalo milk to make uh, mozzarella cheese. So uh, so in the last kind of seven to eight years um, he was kind of improving the beef genetics of his farm buying in bulls with kind of milkier genetics and and uh, building up to a to to build a to, to set up a dairy basically and uh, this is what we've got here at at a uh, bankhead of wraith outside Kirkcaldy so um so yeah so we've there was it was a beef buffalo herd and it's now um, changing over and um, to um, or has uh, to a, a dairy a buffalo unit. Uh, so um, that's a, a quick summary of what's what what's happened here. Yeah, but no, amazing. Um, so the the beef end of the business was that has been the backbone up till very recently. But does well, that it still is it still is a big strong yeah. we still have a lot of strong sales. You, those that know the business, the, you know there's an outlet at Craigie's, we've got the, the there's a farm shop at Bog Lily and and the Blackity side as well, as well as uh, our produce gets sold through a variety of uh, farm shops and uh, and stores across the country. So um so yeah the meat meat is still a, a big a big part of the business. But um, but the drive just now is to increase milk supply, and, uh, and uh, the demand for mozzarella uh, is just it's just gone through the roof. And uh, it's a uh, yeah, that's that's why the business has been built, and uh, that's more the direction it's it's heading. So, and I'm sure the the buffalo world is the same as the conventional dairy world, where there's an awful lot of beef supply comes out of that system. Anyway, you know, there's bull calves and there's surplus surplus calves that then land up. Uh, nothing goes to waste, so it's uh, you know it's great to see. But what the demand for mozzarella is, you know, is is huge. Can you and is is the plan for you to supply to to fulfil that demand, or what, what what is the plan for production? Are you increasing numbers exponentially, or where where do you go from here? So the the bigger picture is that you know we're we're already the largest buffalo herd in Scotland, but we want to be the number one in the UK for um, for mozzarella. There's there's a few big um, buffalo mozzarella plate that do mozzarella down in the south of England, for example, and um, so they're they're kind of direct competitors, but. Um, the, the the scope is obviously we've got limited you know, limited ground here, so we're, we're 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 kind of our numbers are really kind of capped at around 144 um, milking buffalo here and a herd um, that we can sustain um, yeah sustainably and uh, but uh, we're we we to, in order to get that milk volume um, we we're looking for other milking partners to uh, to support and to supply milk. And uh, in which we're um, yeah happy to reimburse um, in a, a you know a very profitable way to the right uh, the right farm and person that wants to uh, to join and uh, to take um, to take a yeah, bit at risk but uh, we we believe the in our product and uh, from the success we've seen so far we hope to convince uh, a few a few people to join uh, to join us in this journey so. Yeah, and an interesting 
you know, farming's at a... I think we say it all the time that farming's at a crossroads, but certainly at the moment we're at a very interesting time in terms of subsidy, in terms of age of farmers, climate change, climate change targets. You know, there's a whole load of stuff coming at farmers and, and also underpinned by, in many cases, lack of profitability across, you know, most of or a lot of the sector. So the opportunities there, and I'm sure many people listening would be certainly keen. I'm not I'm not saying everybody will jump in and, and go for it, but I think many people will be interested to know what that contract might offer and what, what how it would look for them. So if we look at your own system, what have you built? So the new there's a new shed and a new parlour, but what's is it cubicles? Is it straw? Are we grazing? You know, what what is the actual dairy system for these buffalo? So um the the unit's at based at Bank Hedge it's at Cody and is uh we've we've got yeah, a nice GEA tandem milking parlour, um, which is different to from what a lot of people see. Uh, and uh, we, we've got um, over 100 uh, cubicles, and then we've got straw pens as well. And uh, we've also got areas to rear, rear some of the calves as well. Um, we're trying to make, maximise milk from pasture, so um, all the kind of in by ground is a lot of it was was about 80 acres is has been um it's come out of, of cereals and is into um really productive um ryegrass lays and with with high percentage of clover so we're trying to make the most out of grass so buffalo they're still outside just now and um, although we're, we're buffer feeding just now with a bit of a bit of silage but we're, we're really trying to have the buffalo out for as much of the year as possible and a uh, and then um, calving all year round just at the minute just for because of the milk supply um yeah basically yeah so there's 100 144 animals based here having roughly if you it works at kind of 12 calves a month um coming from from the herd here so a uh, and a uh, yeah so that's a uh, that's a uh, our our system in, in a nutshell there's a lot we can elaborate on but so we're chasing milk from forage. Yep. Do we include? Is there a TMR? Is there a is there a complex ration, or is it pretty much high quality silage? So um, at, at present, we, we the we, we try and you make the best silage, and at the minute we don't have um, a pet system, so we're currently ag bagged all our silage um, for the dairy here, and. Uh, Currently, yeah, it's just fed directly out bucket buckets of silage through, and then the they're getting their cake in the dairy, which is a um, de- which we depending on the protein level of our silage will tweak, but isn't at the minute it's kind of an eighteen percent protein cake. Um, it's funny because the the old Ayrshire dairy model or the traditional model was sort of, I'm saying traditional, but say from the seventies, eighties, nineties was silage and cake in the parlour. Mm-hmm. And the number of times we come back to having that conversation with people and actually silage and cake in the parlour is a simple system and it's pretty cheap from a fixed cost perspective and from a, you know, anybody can feed those, you know, it's often running a mixer wagon is quite a technical job, mm-hmm. but it's actually putting blocks of silage up a... Up a we, did, we did trial the TMR for, for three months. So we, we got, we had a Keenan in, and um, this is when I just arrived. And um, so, but a... Uh, 
again, when when you we we find just because we're starting off as well, we're we had a lot of variables happening at the same time. We had a lot of um, buffalo heifers that were calving and, and getting milked the first time, getting used to a new shed. We bought in a pile of animals, so um, the kind of herd dynamics and uh, were were being tested, and then we. A few new members of staff coming on board, and then we had we we then were then going down the TMR route, and a uh, whilst the yeah they 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 ate as much or if not more. I'm um, we we found that we, the actual yield increase at the time it, it was it was negligible. It didn't actually for the buffalo as well. Or, um, so there's a lot of things that we're questioning there because uh, you know because there could have been so many things that could have. Um, you know, being the cause and effect of the success or fail of that, but uh, but yeah, the time taken to do that and the cost we we find actually just going back, keeping things simple at the start, and as as we build and go on, it'll be an area that we'll come back to and reassess to see the TMRs to be. But um, it just it just didn't work for us um, with a uh, when we when we first trialed it out. But perhaps we had too much going on. Uh, so Jack, you mentioned the, the tandem parlour. So that's a, obviously a, a side by side, or not a side by side parlour. That's an end to end parlour. Yep. What was the reason for going with that system? So um, the the main reason was that a well, there was a few things. Price, I think, always seems to be the a, the main reason. But the hey, there, there have been looked. There was there was a local a Heronbone parlour and that. Came at X price and second hand that could have could have done the job, but then um, GEA did a really good deal with their tandem parlor. And the more they kind of looked into it, it was especially with the amount of heifers that were kind of needing trained and stuff with the tandem. You know, you can isolate that cow and still have the rest of the milk, and then let them out. And if you need to have extra time with with that beast, and um, you can you can do that. So it gives it a lot more flexibility in terms of when you're training training animals. And um, and uh, you can also argue, you know, that's higher welfare. Every cow is treated as an individual. It's got its own pen. Clusters are going on at the front and um, underneath. But uh, there's it's it's a system that, that's currently working for us. I think we would we would suggest for farms that for our milking partners that they, they wouldn't need to change their tandem system. In fact, we'd. We have a number of contacts uh, in the UK and, and in Europe that, that that do a herringbone, and actually they're a much faster milking time than us. You know, when you compare, so for example, we're milking just just have ninety cows at the part just today, for example, and uh, we'll be two and a half hours milking, um, so it's quite a long time um, in in our current system. So we would argue going down robotics or having a yeah tandem would be much faster, but. Because we, you know, this is to be kind of the flagship place where we're, yeah, building a big herd, but also training up new heifers. It gives us scope, and it, you know, to do that at a much faster pace. So, because for example, if you've got a number of heifers in a tandem and a, um, and a herringbone system, uh, and one of them isn't wanting to milk, then you've kind of got to have them all in at the same time whereas you, as I said you can kind of isolate them in the with a tandem parlour it's really the tandem's really where the buyer and the parlour collide isn't it it's where yeah. you can totally individually manage you know and it is a challenge and the, the milking time story is always the the question and I, I totally see the the need for you know the training the 
the flagship I, I get that but but certainly just to i think to reinforce that is that these do fit into if you can get milk out a cow whether it's a rotary a robot a herringbone parlor a you know i don't think the buyer system will not be many left but the if you can get milk out a cow you can milk a buffalo yep yep 100 percent. and are there many robotic herds um there's a couple um in kind of big big places in in, in italy but um, it's not in uh, the UK. It's not kind of taken off in a big way. Just I think mainly due to number. But yeah, the challenge um, on the robot as well is there are a few really good examples of people grazing with robots, but it is more difficult to graze in a robotic system as, as a parlour system. Mm-hmm. And if we're only getting ten litres per cow, there's no massive yield advantage to going to the robot. The main reason for robots coming into this part of the world is. A, the two reasons would be labour and very high-yielding cows. So if we can milk a, a high-yielding cow more often, we'll get more milk out of her. Mm-hmm. But if you're at the 10-litre bracket, I would argue we should have a fairly cheap parlour and a really good grazing system mm-hmm. uh, and make use of what we've, what we've got. And it also helps, I think, with the, the story and the... Oh, know, yeah. Well, the thing about the buffalo is that the way she lets down milk, if... if if there's any adrenaline or, or any stress, she'll just refuse to do it. So, um, we and we quite like that because it means we'll never be able to exploit an animal. You know, they've, they've got to be really happy, really content, really, and uh, and that that's kind of unique to the buffalo. You know, and uh, it can be really frustrating sometimes where you know you've got a really high yielding cow. I don't know something's happened in the day, and and then she just refuses to milk for you, and it's like, well, you can't you can't really do anything. You know. Um, but uh, you've just got to let her go and calm down, you know, and we'll you know, hopefully you know pick up in the next milking. But um, yeah, it's a uh, yeah they're they're a really interesting animal. You know, there's um, lots of similarities, but lots of differences as well. So yeah. And what about so for yields? So we routinely hear about you know dairy yields, ten thousand liter cows and, and twelve thousand liter cows and a. What what are we aiming for in the buffalo world? What's what is an, an average or what's the, the target for for your herd this year? So um, our, our target is uh, that each buffalo will be um, by the end of financial year be hitting seven, uh, averaging seven liters per day average. Now, uh, obviously, that's nowhere near your um, your, your your yields of um, a whole steam, but a. Uh, the quality of the milk is, is is far superior, so our proteins and fats are much higher. So, um, just for example, our uh, last average fat percentage was seven seven point five percent, and our protein was at uh, four point seven percent. So, um, so they're they're high. They're you're getting more more quality for though, albeit less 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 quantity. Um, the best kind of buffalo farms uh, that we that we have. In, in Ireland, for example, they say if they're doing 10, 10 litres a day average, and um, we've got these these genetics kind of in now, and we do have animals doing 13, 14 litres a day, um, a, sums, but a, yeah, our, our average at the minute is about six and is six and a half litres per day, and uh, but uh, that will rise as. You know, currently, as I'm saying, you know, 50% of our herd is heifers. And we were finding once you've got into that second lactation, you know, that's when you're, you know, you're, you're almost doubling your yields and um, that will really help. So we're, we're on a rising plane of yield at the minute, but um, 
still still off our target. Our target is you know was originally set at ten, but um, um, we're 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 saying seven just now for um because of the the changes that have happened to the herd and the heifers training etc. It's uh, all 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 new to us and uh, we're just trying to get there as quick as possible. So it's interesting thinking about you know in the Kiwis. So in New Zealand. And, and Ireland, and certainly in some contracts in Scotland as well, they we don't talk about litres. We talk about talk about kilos of milk solids, and yeah. actually, your litres are as you you know they're, they're they're tiny compared to the high yielding Holstein, but the solids are less. But they're not you know they're they're pretty strong. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite a lot of stuff, and and certainly from a logistical point of view, hauling that you're hauling a lot of cheese making material without hauling a lot of water. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the for every one liter, you know, for, there's a twenty five percent yield basically for, of of solids from from a liter that we can make into mozzarella. So, um, where for mozzarella production? So, and when you compare that to um, Holstein dairy, you know, Frisian dairy milk, it's about um, I might get this wrong. I think it's I think it's maybe ten to twelve percent. So, it's a much higher percentage that we can we can we can make into directly into cheese so um but uh albeit we're, we're at a reduced volume but um so if you're uh let's see what we'll say a frustrated dairy farmer you know fed up with global commodities and and wanting to do something different how does the relationship what what is the contract like with you so what, how would that look is it bespoke does it does it fit what different people need to, or does it meet different people's needs or is it a standard contract of we'll pay you x for x amount of milk so we we, we built we've built a contract that uh, has a how we would like to the relationship to, to to go and how we would like to buy milk back you know we for example we've said that we buy milk um at a pound per liter for the first year um and uh, but in, in terms of we, we we would obviously tweak tweak the contract depending on who the um the farmer farmers want want and uh, um we're 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 open to negotiation with a uh, with, with how it works in terms of i mean our, our ideal situation is that we would um any buffalo that would be that would be, we would be given to a farm would we would uh, we would keep the kind of the heifers um and uh, with the option just so that we can kind of keep control of our, of the genetic of the buffalo genetics, um, that but uh, there's 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 wide scope here to um, if somebody is if anyone listening here is really interested in in a change that um, this is a this is a really we we believe a very lucrative and a very exciting project to embark on. The good thing about the buffalo is that I mean we've got buffalo here and we've got a native herd as well. And uh, they, they they exist side by side. There's not any differences. There's some people that milk buffalo after they've milked their Holstein Frisians, you know, in the same parlor. You know, it's a very much you, they can they can go kind of straight into a system the, the, with with a few with a few tweaks and changes. For example, we uh, have electric fences uh, for all our paddocks because the buffalo really really respect electric fence. They don't respect anything else really. Um, and uh, we've got kind of we've got you know good gates that are kind of bolted down, but they 
you, you find, I mean, when people imagine buffalo, people often think of bison and they imagine these wild creatures kind of roaming about. And um, I'd encourage anyone to kind of look at, uh, come and see this place or look at what promotion video material we've got online and stuff. That actually, the dairy lot here, they're 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 just they're just like a, a normal milking cow. They're docile. They're seen to twice a day. They're you know they're, there's not those issues that people often imagine with kind of uh, um, safety and stuff. But um, yeah, um, I think we we the, when we saw them as beef animals on this farming life, yeah, that would have you know, been wrong. We laughed, yeah, <laughs> quite a lot about Eddie. You know whether Eddie was going to make it through this week. You know he was. There was always something, but it's interesting when you put an animal in a routine like that, a, you know, dairy, dairy herds of whatever species are pretty quiet, pretty, you know, they're in, they're in their routine and they're quite happy that, and then there's a lot of people would, different groups would argue against the fact that these cattle are actually happy, but there's no doubt they're, you know, they're stress-free, they've got everything they need where they are, um, and, you know, the, the aggression and the 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 wild bit of them comes out them pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it is, it is all down to genetics. I mean, our policy, if there is anything that is remotely dangerous, it goes, but we're finding that it's been the case from, you know, um, from from the beef. A lot of our now genetics that we've bought in are Irish, Italian, German, Dutch, and we're, they come from good pedigrees of, yeah, and they're really, really nice animals to work with. It's a, it's a, a pleasure working with them. Um, and for that, are you? Is it an AI system, or are you are you running bulls in the in the shed? So currently, we we are just rotating bulls. Um, there there is there is semen available, and we could go, and we're we're looking at the AI system um, as a as a real potential uh, going forward but um at the minute we we're just we're just um rotating bulls so yeah and what about the the system so i know there was a a beefalo animal which was a an angus cross buffalo an angus cross bison Bison in in america is there scope to crossbreed here is there scope to there is no, else there's no scope at all no you can't cross cross a buffalo with a beef cow no it's uh, their their own genus or their own uh, yeah type so uh, that was just me being the dairy farmer chasing yield i was thinking if we got some horses into them we could <laughs> we could push some liters and from your consumer perspective so if we go to the are we still retailing this through farmers markets as well as as shops as well, or has that market moved on? Are you into supermarket contracts and things now? So we we have one supermarket contract with, with Aldi just now, so you you can you can buy our mozzarella in in Aldi Aldi Scotland that is. Um, but uh, we yeah we still have our mozzarella going through the the, the farm shop. Um, at Bog Lily and uh, a few other and um, and uh, yeah a number of different suppliers actually um, so um, restaurants uh, that are that are looking for it except hotels that um, are wanting uh, authentic Scottish mozzarella so um, so no there's 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 a wide kind of outlet of it but um, but the belt, yeah a good a good chunk um, of our mozzarella does go through through Aldi stores at the minute. Yeah, an amazing challenge, I suppose, for 
you know, if anyone that wants it, anybody that wants to have a crack at it, give you a shout. And, I, and we should say it's a farm advisory service podcast. I'm sure there's plenty other dairy opportunities out there, but certainly this one is a we felt anyway was one to to flag up as something that's you know something different, something interesting, and, and something that's potentially a a really good relationship and a really good business model going forward for a for some people. So certainly, I hope. I can do nothing but wish you the best with with everything you're trying to do at the Buffalo Farm. I think any anybody any business that's out there really pushing positive messages about livestock production, and also seeing a you know a massive growth and growth and a demand for their product. You know I think that that speaks volumes to where the the industry's actually at. With you know we hear in the media where we think it's at and then we see it in practice that people are desperately keen to buy high quality quite often high cost but high quality um, locally sourced products to, that um, that meet their needs so I think what you guys are doing you know a big pat on the back to you because I think we all even the, you know, the conventional farmers amongst us also benefit from the hard work you guys you guys are doing and just to, just to add, like on on and on the actual buffalo themselves, you know, like where we we feed the leg count all all stock, and we've not had to use any kind of anthemintics, so you've no warming costs at the minute. We we um, they're, they're they're very rarely ill. They calve all by themselves, literally hundred percent. You know, like, like they will they will calve um, without intervention, and uh, that's a real good peace of mind. As you know, so they're they're very. And, and they last forever being put, put buffalo away there at, at 22 years old you know so it's uh, yeah <laughs> um, but um, yeah but there, but there are some differences and I'll just highlight some quick facts just before um, you include things so you're when I'm saying 10 litres a day but you've also got a, a reduced kind of lactation period so we're two, two we're, we're targeting 260 day lactation um, and they uh, kind of and there's a kind of a 310 day gestation period um, for a buffalo, so it's longer than a cow. Um, and uh, but um, but yeah, we're, we're we're getting kind of animals back in calve every. At the minute, we're 386 days until they're back in cow again. So we're um, yeah, that's that's kind of our 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 stats at the minute. But um, but yeah, they're a very versatile, um, hardy hardy animal. But um, yeah. It's working here in Fife, and uh, well, can certainly we believe can work in other systems. So, yeah, fantastic, a great, a great message, and certainly I've thoroughly enjoyed catching up with you again, Jack. So, while since I've seen you, uh, and hopefully we'll we'll get caught up again soon. So, thank you very much. No, thanks, Robert. Cheers. If you enjoyed listening to Stock Talk, you may enjoy some of our other podcasts, such as Crofting Matters, which is a 12-part monthly show that discusses all things crofting in Scotland, including livestock management. You may also enjoy our new podcast, Agriculture, which tells the stories of some interesting and influential people in the agricultural industry. Just search Crofting Matters or Agriculture wherever you get your podcasts from.